We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your Friday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. That means we're going behind enemy lines. We're going to have a great Colts guest, lots of insights on where the franchise over there sits in Indianapolis. Before we get to that, though, we have to talk about what happened in Berea because there was some big news around who's practicing and what it might mean for Sunday. A lot of stuff going on here. Great episode. Hang around. Let's get started on the OBR Film Breakdown. All right, what's happening, everybody? Welcome into today's show. Some good stuff going on. And really some optimistic news for your Browns. As in Berea today, we find out that Deshaun Watson's actually going to practice. Uh, oddly enough, Amari Cooper, during his pre-practice presser, broke that he was going to be out there. So we're all kind of playing catch-up from there. And, you know, you go out, you watch Watson, you can see the rust, you can see how they're being very cautious with things. It didn't feel like they were making many long throws. I think from what... We know from Fred Greetham, who was there live at practice, 30 yards was about the maximum. He pushed the ball downfield. So, you know, rotating through most of these things, he's not dominating first-team reps. So he was rotating with P.J. Walker, rotating with DTR. I think, again, a great sign that he's back on the field. I don't really know that this means anything for Sunday, right? Uh, there weren't throws with a ton of velocity. He was throwing, again, which is good. The last time he was throwing was that Thursday practice, or sorry, Friday practice before the Browns-Ravens game. Now, I know he got out there on the field, but we didn't see that. The last time we really saw him throw was, you know, in that practice setting, and it was really ugly. Stefanski termed it day-to-day once again when he spoke with reporters, and he said he cannot play. If Watson cannot play on Sunday, P.J. Walker would get the start for the second straight Sunday. So just kind of a reminder on that. I'm sure Stefanski will get asked about that as he gets with the media again after practice on Friday. So it's a bit, you know, it'll be about four weeks since the injury occurred because you're going to get the September 24th date was the Titans game. The October 22nd date is the Colts game. So you, again, you're talking about a four to six week issue. Then, you know, you're going to have something like the beginning of that four to six week prognosis. So he's on track. And I think it's a good thing above all else. It's a good thing that he's throwing Amari Cooper. had said, Deshaun seems like he's going to practice today, so we'll be communicating with him this week, barring any setback or anything like that. He's kind of insinuating he's going to play, but we don't know, right? So Alex Van Pell also said Watson is scheduled to practice on Thursday. Uh, when he had his time with the with the media, 
get out there and make some throws. So part of the process of him is just trying to get back, get ready to play, uh, and feel good, right? That's what he has to do. He has to feel good. He has to feel normal. And to me, largely, it feels like this is a test, right? Test the arm, see how it feels the next day, and we'll see if he practices. I'm not sure if he'll be out there on Friday. Again, could have been a test day to see how the shoulder responds to all of it. That, to me, is the most logical outcome of this scenario, where I think a lot of people see the practice here, on a Wednesday, sorry, a Thursday, and then you sort of presume that he's going to be out there on Sunday. I didn't really see many throws. The throws that we saw were not encouraging enough for me to believe he will just be out there on Sunday. I still think they're going to play a patient. It seems like Seattle's possible, real possible, whereas this one does not feel possible. So Seattle's a realistic possibility, but most likely feels like Arizona, if you ask me, the following week. So... You know, I think it's just going to be a challenge to get P.J. Walker ready. Van Pelt met with media today, and he talked about trying to get Walker ready while also getting Deshaun worked back in. He said there's a hard balance. You're trying to make sure that Walker's ready, and at the same time, if Deshaun's ready, then you make sure you know that he's ready to go as well. So you're juggling back and forth, but as a backup quarterback, that's your life. Van Pelt continued, you're used to not taking a ton of reps, being able to have to come up, get air, you know, get that hot air right away and go. So it's a good practice for him. If he gets all the reps, great. Half the reps, great. We're going to continue to roll with the punches uh, on that one, though, because, again, it's it's day-to-day. So it would be a big boost, and Amari talked about the feeling of that boost that, that you get Watson back. He said it would be a huge boost. I mean, Deshaun is our guy, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, we all know who Deshaun is. We've seen all the plays that he's been able to make throughout his career. Just like any other team, you're confident when your starting guy is in the lineup. It's a It's a big boost, 100%. So Watson returning to practice is the single biggest piece of news, right? It's what everybody's focusing on. you got a lot of different beat reporters taking videos of his throws. Again, not much to take away from those. Some were ugly, some were fine. I didn't see him putting a ton of velocity into them. We'll see if that ramps up over the next few days. If you want an indicator like he's going to play, it's the ramp up of throw types you would need to see in the next few days, right? Friday practice is wildly important, and then you get a little bit more information on Saturday. And obviously Kevin meets with the media after Friday practice. So it's a very important time for a guy's, you know, active or inactive status for the game. So keep your eye on that. Keep your eye on those practice clips for Watson. Shifting off of that now, uh, a little bit of the, uh, you know, sort of surrounding information. Joel Batonio didn't practice on Thursday as part of the plan, I believe, for his recovery from the knee scope. He was limited Wednesday. I'm sure he'll be back out limited on Friday. Not trying to push it too hard before the game, but the plan is to see him out there, see him playing. You know, part of the collateral with the situation for Joel is that his 102-game start streak was snapped, right? He's a sort of mini Joe Thomas Ironman streak, and Joel spent some time talking about that. He had said that Kevin had joked with him if he has 102 more starts uh, in him somewhere, and he said, uh, and Joel's response was, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have that one in me, but hopefully you get back out there and try and help the team every little bit and get another streak started. That's, that's the plan. So Joel had continued on, and I think this is actually a really important part of what he said. He was dealing with this injury earlier in the year. He said, I want to say Pittsburgh maybe. I just had some knee issues, and it wasn't getting better. So I was kind of dealing with, you know, with that for two and a half games, and it was our chance to go look and see what was wrong, and it was a good thing that we did. So I have talked about Joel struggling in some games earlier this year, this is a direct result of that, right? The knee's bothering him. It's going to mess up his torque. It's going to mess up his leverage, everything about it. So it's uh, it's a good thing that he got this thing scoped, obviously. And that comes to speak to understanding why Joel was off to one of the rougher starts that we've seen for him. He said he already feels better. There's some damage in there that they could fix with the scope. It turned out to be good. So it wasn't one instance in that game that happened, but it was kind of over time throughout the first quarter of the season. But it was kind of a... 
he said, our one time in the season where we could go in and get it fixed without missing too much time. One game, get the bye week. So we decided to make sure and get it fixed. So optimistic stuff from Joel that he can get back to being who he is. If the knee is feeling significantly better, we'll see if he's back out there on Friday. Seems like he will be. Uh, Other injury news that is sitting kind of out there floating. We have the reports from both sides. DMPs were Batonio uh, for the Browns, DMP for uh, Kylan Granson. We'll talk about that with our guest. And then Braden Smith. Those are three pretty important players, one of which we'll certainly be keeping our eye on from the Browns side. And then we'll talk again with our guest and keep our eye close, uh, closely peeled to what's going on you know, with those Colts players because those guys are big parts of what they do. Now, again, what would you like for the Browns is you get back uh, Anthony Walker, if he practices Friday, there's a chance he gets out of concussion protocol. Maybe he plays, right? Newsom's back off the hamstring. The guys that didn't practice yesterday, Harrison Bryant back. All very encouraging stuff because we know the Browns will need all hands on deck. So uh, good to have those guys back. Good to be relatively healthy. And again, got to reiterate, it's good to see Watson throwing again because a part of the whole process of coming back is he has to just start somewhere with the throwing. But that is the huge thing to keep our eye on, making sure Batonio practices on Friday, making sure Watson doesn't have some kind of setback from his throwing sessions that he had on Thursday. It'd be really encouraging to see him back out there. But, you know, if he's not, don't panic. Again, I think there's a plan. Unless he starts feeling amazingly better, he could play Sunday. But it feels like the plan is to still be patient there, get P.J. Walker ready, try to go get a big win in Indianapolis, and then have a couple bigger games, you know, where you're maybe, you know, you're sitting at 4-2, and Go to Seattle, have a real shot to win that one. Come home and have a real shot to win Arizona, and uh, you like you like sort of the angle there, especially giving Watson as much time as necessary to get healthy. So let's shift over though. Let's talk with our Indianapolis beat writer Nate Atkins. Does a great job. He can be found at Nate Atkins underscore. He's the Colts writer, Colts beat coverage, everything for the Indianapolis Star. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. He, he does a really good job covering this team, and there has been a lot to cover for the Colts this year it's been sort of a sort of a roller coaster I think we could all agree looking at it from afar so a lot to break down here it's a big game for the Browns but also a big game for the Colts who are trying to find some identity with the first year coach and battle on some player personnel losses and all that and I think they see a game that they could potentially win here so I like getting the perspective of somebody close to the team let's get over to that interview right now after a quick word from our sponsors we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, shifting over, talking about the Colts now, welcoming in Nate Atkins. Nate, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing good, man. Looking forward to this game. It's a little... Uh, it's been an odd week here in Indy with uh, obviously the news that Anthony Richardson being done for the year, but we kind of knew that was where things were trending as of last week. So um, it's kind of a new reality for them without him. And, and really, I'm just interested to see kind of how they adjust against a Browns defense that's uh, doing quite well so far. Yeah, that's that's what we should probably start on is sort of the understanding that this is the state of the franchise. I like to do state of the franchise to start, but this is the biggest part of the franchise situation, right? Is is this super hyper-talented quarterback coming in flashing but having this concussion out of the shoulder, has it really put a cloud over the aura of things of where this season can go? Uh, for this season, there's no doubt about that. You know, I think when they started 3-2 uh, and two heading into last week, uh, you know, when they were up against the Titans and Anthony Richardson was in the game, and, uh, you know, every week he does some electric things. He was the first rookie in history to score four rushing touchdowns his first three games. Uh, there was excitement. There was belief that once they were getting Jonathan Taylor back, uh, you combine those two in the single backfield with 
Uh, some of the things Shane Steichen was doing, bringing over concepts that he used with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts last year. There's a reason to believe this team could push for the playoffs this year and obviously a lot of hope for the future. And uh, there's still a lot of hope for the future with Anthony. People were, you know, around the building are very impressed with him as a leader and just some of the electric plays he made as a passer and a runner. But the hope for this season has certainly dampened where, you know, they've got Jonathan Taylor back and they're, they're building him back up to speed. But without, uh, without that quarterback run threat in the backfield and without the ability to push the ball down the field that, that he had, and moving to Gardner Minshew is more of a, and that was never supposed to be a something they did for, you know, for for eleven more games now. So um, you know, we'll see we'll see how competitive they can be. They have some other good players, and um, and, and guys are taking a Shane Steichen really well. But I think everyone kind of knows that the upside of the offense and the explosiveness of what they can do is not going to be the same going forward this year. So I think that what's what's gone on again. This has kind of been at the forefront of the NFL is. Obviously, there's there's Gardner Minshew. We'll talk about him, but there's also the drama surrounding the running back Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss has obviously stepped up, done a nice job. Has the Taylor thing settled? It was that unexpected for that to work itself out in the way it did. The hastiness with which it happened there, out of no kind of out of nowhere, as he was set to come off IR. Or did you guys have a feeling that that sort of contract was brewing and it was going to happen? Uh, I did not see that coming into the offseason because normally the Colts, they love to extend their players heading into contract years, and that's kind of how they want to build. They don't really go after free agents. They like to lock up the guys they draft and who deliver. And so Jonathan Taylor seemed like you know the best player of their offense and a pretty central piece with a rookie quarterback. You know, it came when we when we got to kind of late spring and into early summer, we heard that they had not made an offer, didn't want to make an offer and just how much Jonathan Taylor was thinking about that. He was on Zoom calls with uh, with Nick Chubb and Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey and guys like that. It was very much at the forefront for him to do something about that. I kind of had a feeling that it was going to get awkward, uh, but I don't think anyone ever could have seen how nasty it got with some of the tweets back and forth and some of the threats and whatnot. And then just sort of the total reversal they had a couple of weeks ago where they decided you know he was coming off the pup list they wanted him here for the long term and to move on without the drama. So they did a three-year extension. So it's been a roller coaster uh, to get to this point for sure. So let's really do more of our uh, sort of state of the franchise right now, where you guys are at. Talk through the beginning of the season. I know if you want to hit on how Gardner is sort of, um, you know, operating Steichen system, I think we could probably hit on that too. But it's just, I feel like there's been a season's worth of drama and and, and like just big events packed in for a for a franchise that you know I'm I'm kind of where the neighbors or the next state over and, and sometimes I think that Cleveland can be a little unparalleled in some of this stuff but between like you know the Andrew Luck stuff years ago kind of unfolding into where it's gotten I think that there's just been a lot I'm sure you guys would be craving a, a little bit more normalcy but but I guess I'm looking for you have an exciting coach who I like from afar and I think the pieces are interesting. It's just it seems to have been, a, like I said, a lot of a lot of stuff happening here in a, in a sort of compact time. So I've worried, um, you know, I think the fans on the Brown side are interested in just sort of what you think the mental state is of the of the franchise as they as they meet up with Cleveland here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like what they've gone through the last few years, which the Browns went through for many years, which is quarterback instability has made it sort of rocky, you know, just. Uh, they they've had something like, oh, for example, like Michael Pittman Jr. is in his fourth year and he's on his seventh starting quarterback. So that was supposed to end this season when they went out and they drafted Anthony Richardson and they decided to start him out of the gates 
Uh, they announced that in training camp. And the hope was that he was going to start 17 games, even if there were going to be ups and downs in his play. It was supposed to be a learning year, a developing year of the first year coach. And, you know, you know we'll see if it, if it amounted to something great. But the, the point was to get stability. And they just haven't gotten that just because of injuries. It's nothing that Anthony Richardson's done or not done as a player uh, football wise. It's just it's been injuries where they never got more than 12 consecutive quarters uh, or, or I should say never more than six consecutive quarters with one quarterback. Um, so it's been herky-jerky in that way. And then, yeah, there's been other stuff, certainly with uh, the Jonathan Taylor contract situation. That was kind of an unnecessary point of drama they brought upon themselves. And then, you know, this week with Grover Stewart getting suspended for six games for uh, substance abuse or, or performance-enhancing drugs. Um, there's been stuff like that that's just it just seems to pop up here, unfortunately, because it seemed like – in a lot of ways, they had settled some things with a coach that, that a lot of guys really like, uh, and Shane Steichen, who's who's really kind of all football, all business, and um, really doesn't seem to invite many uh, of these conflicts, you know, or, or doesn't seem like he's the one who would choose to get into them. And then, you know, they got their quarterback, who very much early on people believed was going to be their guy. Uh, you know, it's just it's just weird that the adversity that pops up within a season and it always seems to happen with this team for some reason. Let's talk about the rest of the offense. So so wide receivers, it looks like maybe Alec Pierce might miss this game. Talk to us about that. But otherwise, Michael Pittman, Josh Downs, and then, you know, I like to include tight ends with wide receivers. It seems like Kylan Granson might also be in jeopardy for this one, too. Enlighten us on that if you can. Yeah, I think Alec Pierce has a better chance to play than Kylan Granson because Pierce practiced today coming off a shoulder injury. He was doing some light stuff the day before. I, I didn't get the sense that that was real serious, but we'll, we'll you know, obviously we'll see tomorrow. Kylan Granson uh, got concussion symptoms coming out of the game, and I, almost no player has played the week after you know developing it the, the very next game out. So I'm already expecting he hasn't practiced yet. I'm expecting that he will not be out there, which is going to be tough for them at tight end because they're without Jelani Woods. Their second round pick's been on injured reserve. So they're going to be limited there for sure. And that's, you know, especially if Pierce is limited. That's where you just expect what this offense has often been, which is just tons of targets to Michael Pittman Jr. He's kind of their, uh, they'll scheme him open. They'll use him as sort of a design, like a yak guy, sort of a extension of the run game. But he'll also be a contested catch guy. He'll work through double coverage. He kind of has to do everything for them. But they all, they'll use Josh Downs quite a bit too. That's the one guy. He's their third round rookie out of North Carolina in the slot. He's the one guy who really has built chemistry well with Gardner Minshew. They they kind of fit stylistically where Gardner's a, you know, he's a he's a ball placement specialist, sort of shorter, shorter depth of target. And those are the sort of routes that Josh Downs runs really well. And he's he's just hit the ground running even for being a rookie. So I think Pittman and Downs are going to be uh, the focal point of what they do. And we'll kind of outside of that, I think this is a game where Shane Steichen's going to have to get creative drawing up some other opportunities for guys given just the limitations health wise with everyone else. Yeah. Talk, talk about the offensive line real quick. I know Braden Smith also might be in jeopardy for this one. I mean, the Browns present a really unique defense so far this year. I mean, historic pace. I don't know that that will, I don't think that'll hold, but they're playing really good football. So as you talk about the O-line and we kind of wrap up the offense and lighten us, how much confidence you feel that this indie offense with Gardner instead of Anthony can find ways to, to score some points against a tough Browns group. Yeah, the Braden Smith injury has been a, a pretty big blow because before that happened heading into last week, and before that, I was really, really, really impressed with this offensive line. They had a 
brutal year last year, but uh, there are a lot of reasons to believe in a bounce back, namely the left tackle Bernard Ryman has taken a huge step forward. Some of those other cogs, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly, have gotten back to the way they used to play, which is sort of pro bowl or all pro levels. And Braden Smith was kind of knocking on that door. And so they really had a good foundation there. They were one of the best teams in terms of quarter, you know, limiting quarterback hits, but also the run game had really been humming with Zach Moss. Uh, kind of the way they do it, they are a, more of a zone blocking team where uh, they get Lyman to the second level. And, and that's just really worked well for them until last week without Braden, without some of these tight ends who can block. Uh, it just sort of, you know, and then without the quarterback run threat, that everything's just sort of converged on them and, uh, and it got really tough. So I don't think Braden will, my guess is he's not going to play just because he hasn't practiced. Uh, he, I guess this would be three practices out, but it's a hip injury. And, you know, it would be a lot to just, you know, ready, get ready up on a Friday and go. Maybe he will. But uh, if he doesn't, it's going to be Blake Freeland, who's a fourth round rookie at a BYU. He was at a tough spot last week where they flipped him from left tackle to right tackle. And he was OK, but they really had to manage that. And this week against the Browns is just a nightmare matchup for that, for for all the reasons you obviously know, with uh, just just anything dealing with Miles Garrett whatsoever. And then the fact that, you know, they can't even just try to double team him with the number of uh, other threats that they have to rush the passer. So ideally, this is a week where they just run and run and run and run. And they hope that Jonathan Taylor is kind of up to speed. He's, he's been increasing his snap count and they ride him and Zach Moss and then just try and scheme some safer opportunities where they're limiting how much Gardner Minshew has to drop back because anytime he just Gardner does not do well under pressure or throwing on the move. And so the combination of him having to do that with uh rookie right tackle, trying to block either Miles Garrett or Zedaria Smith is kind of a nightmare situation, but um, but but so long as the Browns can stop the run somewhat, I think it, they're just going to force Indy to be in that sometimes. Let's talk about defense. Obviously, Grover Stewart is a, is a tough loss to a group that's really, I mean, the, the tandem between him and DeForest is one of the toughest the Browns have seen. The Browns have played some good defenses so far, so that's high praise. But still some talented players, Ebicom up there, Quiddy Pay, uh, enlighten us a little bit on that group, how they're playing up front and how the, how the linebackers are playing. I know that there was a little bit of a transition from, um, I think Okariki left, right? So or, or Okariki, yeah. I could screw that name up. My bad. Um, I think they they lost a little bit there, but there seems like maybe some guys who stepped up in that box group. Yeah, it, Grover is a significant loss because that defensive line had kind of become the strength of that unit. They were getting the pass rush going with what DeForest Buckner can do inside, but as well as the, the they have three edge guys and Quiddy Pay, Samson Ebicom, and uh, Dio Adangbo. So these are guys that drafted in the first or second round or kind of big free agent deals that just create a nice rotation inside and outside. And I still think they'll have that part of it pretty, pretty well set, but Grover Stewart is one of the best nose tackles. He's just really, anytime he's one-on-one with a guard, uh, he seems to destroy him. And that that's happened a lot because teams want to double team DeForest Buckner. And uh, that's obviously an area where the Browns have a, have a nice edge. If they can get Joel Batonio back as having those two stud guards uh, to deal with this this deficiency because the guys they really the Colts really don't have a backup nose tackle. It's possible there's a guy Eric Johnson, a fifth round pick last year, who they've been kind of grooming in that role. We'll see if he's ready to step up and do it. He's the only one I think stylistically skill set that can really fill that. I mean the other option would be Taven Bryan, who um, I know you watched last year. His strength is not defending the run, 
So it's a it's going to be an issue to to get teams out of running the ball, which had been their strength as a defense with the linebacking core, Zaire Franklin especially, uh, and Shaquille Leonard's working back into form off of a back injury. But they they become one of the best run stuffing teams in the NFL, and that played into their pass rush where they could force some obvious pass situations. And uh, that's kind of how they're they're built to survive is winning in the pass rush and obvious passing downs because they've really young cornerbacks too. So I think between the young outside corners and a backup playing in Grover's spot, you know, they're, they're not without guys who can make an impact, but they're certainly more up against it than they were. Yeah. This seems like they play a little bit of um, they trend toward playing nickel, which is, which is probably where everybody is these days, but there's, you know, when they put five on the field, I think that obviously Isaiah Rogers lost hurt. I'm curious how they're replacing that. Julian Blackman's been around a little bit back there, but it's uh, it's, it's some different names back there. So so talk through if you can who's dominating the play time in the secondary and how they've been doing from that perspective because I think it is a group that had a lot of question marks around it. Yeah, they like to live in uh, in nickel because their slot corner Kenny Moore's you know one of the better in the league. Now since they've had some corner issues. They've leaned a little bit more into base defense at times uh, just because they can play Kenny Moore on the outside and limit how many DBs they have to play because Isaiah Rogers going down hurt. They lost another starting corner, Dallas Flowers, for the season to an Achilles tear. And so they're down on the outside. They're starting two rookies, a second-round pick in Juju Brents and a seventh-round pick in Jalen Jones. And they do things that that rookies do. There's moments where they, they flash their skill set and press – coverage they're both really physical and um and they play pretty confidently so they they can they can get after guys you know contested catches or um and certainly in run defense but but they they get over aggressive at times and get beat Trevor Lawrence took advantage of that in the red zone last week so they will give up plays there and that's where I think the culture to try and manage that they need a little bit more out of their safeties uh they've got still kind of a young safety group Rodney Thomas at free safety, Julian Blackman at strong safety. Those guys have been all right, but they haven't been, uh, they haven't really made the impact plays yet. They haven't quite, uh, they're still trying to get on the same page with some of the rotations coming in and out at cornerback. So that's kind of where they lean so much on that pass rush. And it's just some, you know, a lot of times that's worked, but the times it hasn't worked, it's, uh, it's left them all exposed. And Last week this changed, but up until last week, pretty much every team's number one receiver just kind of pops off because the Colts just don't have enough that they can do between their outside corners and the safety combinations and the style of defense they play to take that away. It's almost like something they just they live with and they try and overcome it with, you know, winning the short yardage game and uh, and getting some sacks and some negative plays like that. But they're going to give up yards, so I would. I expect if if the Browns passing game is, you know, somewhat on point, we'll see what was going on with their quarterback situation. But I would I would imagine Amari Cooper will have a really nice day because of that. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that this is going to be low scoring because again, I guess there could be some coverage busts and that helps and the NFL is a little bit more unpredictable than we like to think it is sometimes. But if PJ Walker gets the start, and I still think he's going to be the guy who's starting as they're about a week or two away with Watson, it is it's dicey, right? It's dicey. So if it's a low scoring game. I would imagine the Colts feel good about that sort of battle. What's your level? You know, I don't like doing predictions. I always tell every guest the same thing. I don't care for a prediction, but just kind of your vibe, your confidence level that they can get this done in a game I think they really need. 
Yeah, I think the the one route is to to have it go low scoring. I just don't think that the Colts passing game is healthy enough, uh, builds enough around the guys you know, that have not really played together to to engage in any kind of shootout or anything like that. You know, if it is lower scoring, if it's one of those uh, grind out games, you know, the one weapon that the Colts have is uh, their kicker, Matt Gay, is a you know Pro Bowler who just a couple of weeks ago, you know, set an NFL record for 50 plus yard field goals. That's how they beat the Ravens in a game that on paper, it's it's shocking to think they went into Baltimore with Gardner Minshew and knocked that team off, but it pretty much took uh, really grinding out first downs and just making every long field goal. And then obviously playing pretty good defense. So that's going to be their model in this one. Obviously it helps them that, uh, that, that either PJ Walker or maybe a, you know, a limited Deshaun Watson, is playing there. It's going to maybe not expose their, their weakness at outside corner as much, but I do think in this specific matchup, the loss of Grover Stewart's pretty big because if I'm the Browns, I'm just, I'm running right at that right away and running behind uh, those guards that they have. And it looked like they got the run game going a little bit last week. I would just live in that way and just kind of avoid disaster because I think the more that this game plays out, the more that the Browns let their defense kind of, impose its will on the Colts more that they make the Colts, you know, get aggressive in two minute situations or trying to come back or something like that. That's when, that's when disaster is going to strike. I know the Browns haven't forced a lot of turnovers yet, but um, this is a game where that could, that could kind of come around. The Colts just had uh, four turnovers last week in Jacksonville, you know, when they had to, they had to throw 55 times because the Jaguars pretty much lived in base defense uh, they they did like a bear front or diamond front that took away those double teams and the Colts tried to throw it out, throw them out of it. They couldn't do it. And instead they threw three interceptions and had a strip sack. So I think, but obviously the, the Jaguars also scored enough to to put that on them. So I don't think it'll be that many turnovers, but I do think that the, the Browns are pretty well set up to at least create a couple of the game changing plays in this, where if you're the Browns, if, I think if they manage it the right way, uh, they can avoid some of the game changing plays for, uh, to, to give it to the Colts defense because outside of Matt Gay kicking long field goals, I think it's either going to be the Colts forcing turnovers or maybe this is the game that Jonathan Taylor, you know, really gets back on track and just makes some things happen like he did in 2021. But it's it's putting a ton on one player. Yeah, I know the Browns are trying to gear up for that, thinking that this is the time that he gets going. So, uh, listen, this should be a fun game. May, may, fun is probably a little bit subjective for some fans. It's got a chance to be ugly, but I expect it to be close. And that that anytime you get close games, that's where typically results in a little bit more fun. So should be an interesting battle. He's Nate Atkins at Nate Atkins underscore covers the Colts for the Indy Star. We're really, really fortunate to get some of his time. Uh, Nate, we really appreciate it, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks to Nate for stopping by. It's always a lot to ask somebody to take their time and come over and discuss the discuss their football team because, again, that's time is valuable, and I never want to uh, take those things for granted when we get the insights of somebody covering a team the Browns play. So, again, thanks to Nate for that. Thanks to you guys for stopping by, where I will say what I always say on the way out the door. $1 for your first month at the OBR. Take advantage of that in a great Browns community. Rate and review the podcast. I will be back tomorrow. We'll have our gambling lines with Andrew Spade. I'll open the show finishing out any mailbag questions from the week that we didn't get to. So keep your eye on that for your Saturday podcast. And if you want to keep track of where Andrew and I with our gambling, because it's getting pretty close. So it's a big week. I appreciate you guys stopping by today. Have a fantastic Friday and go Browns.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com